ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. For the World Cup as Fowler, it opens up for the shot. That's the sound of Mary Fowler having a moment in Perth as Australia beat Chinese Taipei. The Matildas Gun announced herself on the World Cup stage and it's clear she is only getting better. But are the Tillies improving as a collective? What have we learned from their three Olympic qualifiers? What comes next for the team? And what about the relentless speculation about coach Tony Gustafsson being in the sights of the United States? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Neve Owens is a football broadcaster who's been in Perth covering the Matildas' three Olympic qualifiers. Neve, a 3-0 win over Chinese Taipei, rounds out three comprehensive victories, but we kind of expected as much given we just made the semifinals of a World Cup. To your eye, what have you seen around this group that tells you they're improving? Stacky, that game, that second game against the Philippines reminded me so much of Australia's World Cup game against Canada. And it was this beautiful spectacle where almost from the opening moments, you felt like this was a team in full flow, that they were in sync. And those attacking riches that we know they have, Sam Kerr, greatest goal scorer in Australian football history. Kerr in the right spot at the right time. In three Olympic qualifiers, she has scored in every one of them. Caitlin Ford, who I think is a phenomenal footballer, and then Mary Fowler playing in this slightly different role where we've seen her play throughout this WSL season for... Manchester City. Tony Gustafsson gave her that opportunity as well to push out to the edge to play more as a wide forward and he described her opening performance against Iran when she came off the bench. Mary's performance those minutes on the left side was just mind-blowingly good. I think she was best. We saw more of that in the following two games with the goal last night absolutely against Chinese Taipei which was an absolute banger. Over the top to Fowler. Fowler controls it. Fowler shoots! Oh, wonderful goal! Oh, from long range! That is a Hail Mary in every respect! but also in the way that she's able to break down low block defences. She's been able to pull them out towards her on the edge and give more space, more room to the likes of Caitlin Ford to Sam Kerr in the middle, while also continuing to be this real menace because you know if you stand off her, if you give her an opportunity, she can go at herself and she can score a banger from outside the box. What a goal from the Golden Girl. Mary Fowler breaks the deadlock just after the hour mark. So I think what we saw across the three games, yeah, with 13 goals in three games, impressive. Maybe some people would have expected them to score more. But what we saw in that second game in particular is that when they really hit their straps, it is such a beautiful thing to watch. If we're talking about individual growth, it's hard to go past Mary Fowler in particular. We've seen stunning assists, mind-bending goals, and it seems to me she is on another level from what we saw at the World Cup. And people might be wondering what's unlocked her game. And I wonder how much a change at club level has driven that growth, Neve. 
I think it's a really, really good question, Stacky, because in her first season for Manchester City, she spent a lot of time sitting on the woodwork, watching these players create and play, and she was coming on off the bench for Gareth Taylor. Whereas Gareth Taylor this season, and we're only four games into the new season, so it's still early doors, but she has started every game. She's shown she is very much a part of his starting plans and he's playing her on the wing. I think I also mentioned last season about this season would be important for her to feel her way into the club. And yeah, now we're starting to see the player that we all thought and um, the confidence is high. I'm picking her every game. So he's given her that different opportunity to what we've seen at both club level and internationally before. And it seems to really be suiting her, suiting her creativity, suiting her footballing mind. And I wondered when we saw Tony Gustafsson do it, in an Australian setting, what that would do to Caitlin Ford. Because we saw through the World Cup when Cato had to play in that almost out-and-out nine role when Sam was ruled out, it didn't suit her skills. She's such a phenomenal footballer when she's running at defences. She's got speed, she's got grace, she's got a great cross. And I thought, how are they both going to fit in. But what we've seen is this versatility in attack now from the Matildas with Hayley Rasso on the right edge as well. There were times over the last three games where Rasso pops up on the le- and left, all of a sudden Mary Fowler's out on the right. Caitlin Ford is everywhere as well. Lovely three ball from Kennedy. Ford turns, shoots, diving across Chung. And that, from a defensive perspective, must be extremely hard to defend against, even when you have teams playing this really low block parking the bus, as they say. Chinese Taipei managed to do it for 60 minutes last night, but then the goals eventually came and it always felt stacky, like it would be Mary Fowler who scored that opener. Producer Poppy gave me a great stat that aged 20, Sam Kerr had three international goals and at this same juncture, Mary has 13. More games, but still, it's kind of scary. How good could she be? Just blue sky for me. I love that from Poppy. Amazing. Do you know what? I think she can be phenomenal because of the professional environment she's playing her club football at, yeah, as a one, but also internationally because of the players that she has around her. There's been times in Sam Kerr's development that she's been that out and out nine at the front of the park trying to create everything for the side. Edge of the box, Sam Kerr shoots right-footed. What a strike! Whereas Mary Fowler has attacking talent all around her. She also has Steph Catley as a left wing back who's pushing forward. She's got Ellie Carpenter on the other side who's a brilliant attacking fullback as well. So she's got these players who enable her to really reach those heights, I think, that absolutely she could reach. And this is a player that was sought after by a number of different international teams. Her mum's from PNG, her dad's Irish. People recognised her footballing talent from a very young age and I think we can just be uber grateful at this point that it's the Matildas jersey that she's playing in. Neve, so in the last 18 hours, sports fans in my life have said two things to me. One, have you seen that Cleary and Fowler are a couple? Two, don't you think it's inappropriate that whatever is happening there is a focus? Paparazzi photos trying to uh, catch the golden couple. With that all in mind, I'm just going to handball it to you, Neve. What's your view? I love that. You've well and truly thrown me under the bus while taking absolutely no position yourself. Do you know what? There was a moment where it flicked to the famous footy player in the stands last night cheering on the women's football team. And I thought, yes, 
That's right. You can be there in the stands and we'll watch the girls go out there and get the job done. Very interested. Nathan Cleary has headed west to catch the Matildas. uh, Very interested in the performance of a certain Mary Fowler who's just seen Cleary on the big screens. I can understand the interest. They are two absolute superstars in their own right. What I love is that beyond the relationship, which is absolutely their own business, and I'm not going to get involved in that in any way, I love the different sporting ramifications that people are jumping to. My personal trainer at the gym this week was like, so Nevo, I reckon we could see Nathan Cleary playing rugby union in England, which at the next World Cup could mean the Wallabies go a hell of a lot further than they have in this one. Look, Stacky, absolutely anything's possible isn't it? It's absolutely correct, Neve. <laughs> uh, the next time we see Fowler in green and gold, it's going to be the next stage of qualification for the Olympics. What can you tell us about what comes next for the Tillies? I can tell you that the Tillies have managed to eke out the best possible route to Olympic qualification. I was worried coming into these games, not worried that the Matildas wouldn't win and win well, which absolutely they've done. I was worried about what the Philippines could do and whether the Philippines would manage to get second spot in this group or indeed the second best overall qualifier. So they got second spot in our group, but it's Uzbekistan who were the second best overall qualifier. And so the Aussies, with their incredible goal difference and with three wins from three games, have set up a two-legged playoff with Uzbekistan. It'll be played late Feb, the first game in Uzbekistan on February 24th, second one in Australia on February 28th. We don't know where that game will be quite yet, but get a win in those fixtures and the Aussies have got a spot at Paris 2024. And I think that is as good as we could possibly have hoped for for an Australian perspective. We do not meet Japan in the next stage with only one of those teams able to go through. It'll be Japan who takes on North Korea and two qualifiers from those four remaining teams will make it through to Paris. They've got a very achievable path to the Olympics from here. In sport, we like to think in cycles. And for rugby union, that might be World Cups. Men's cricket think the ashes. As Tony Gustafsson heads to the Paris Olympics, there's growing speculation about his role. Will he potentially jump ship to the United States? Do you get the sense this is the final stage of his tenure? And if so, how will that impact the way this group's managed? It's such a difficult one to know, isn't it, Stacky? Because it was interesting during this international window that The Athletic, a very well-respected publication, named Tony Gustafsson and Joe Montemuro on a shortlist for the US Women's National Team coaching job. Obviously, that is one of the biggest jobs in world football. When we had a great World Cup, I'm just proud to be uh, talked about uh, for a job like that. It's one of the biggest jobs in in the world in terms of the, the finance and the interest and all that. And so with that public coming out during this window, the girls themselves, the players, would have been well aware of those rumours that existed. And they all play together at club level. Ellie Carpenter heads back to Lyon, where the captain of the US women's national team plays. Then we've got the girls heading back to the WSL in the UK. So the rumours would be rife and the girls would be well aware that those rumours exist. Tony Gustafsson's current contract with the Tillies goes through until after Paris 2024. This is my full focus. I love working with this team. You know, I have one year left on my contract and 
we know, all coaches know here, that we're never better than our last game. I never really know what that means in world football these days, indeed in any professional sporting environment. Contracts sometimes seem to be worth very little and undoubtedly that is a huge gig and a, a huge opportunity. He's familiar with the environment. He was assistant coach with the US side when they won in France in 2019 at that World Cup. So it's certainly an environment that he's familiar with. What it means for our side moving forward, I think there's time now. There's time between these next games in February for that situation to be resolved for a new coach, if indeed a new coach is needed, for a new coach to be appointed and have some time with the team. I think as opposed to it happening on the eve of a tournament or on the eve of qualification, at least now, however it plays out from here, there's time for everyone to get their ducks in a row. Sounds like there's space for something potentially very big in the world of Australian football. Neve Owens, thanks so much for pulling it all apart. Loved it, Saki. Speak soon. Headlines. The A-League season is just two games old and Melbourne City has already cut ties with coach Rado Vudicic. Last season's grand finalists lost 6-0 to Adelaide last weekend and management have clearly seen enough. Former Reds coach Aurelio Vidmar will take over as they prepare to clash with Sydney FC this Friday night. Concerning news for Australia's cricket team on a number of fronts, Mitch Marsh has returned home to Perth for personal reasons with CA saying they're yet to set a return date for him rejoining the one-day International World Cup. And did you hear about Glenn Maxwell? What is it with cricketers playing golf? First Johnny Bairstow breaks his leg, then Josh Inglis cuts open his hand. Now Glenn Maxwell has fallen off a cart and concussed himself. Exactly are these blokes doing on the fairways? The all-rounder will miss Australia's crucial ODI World Cup clash with England. With two all-rounders out of action, you'd think that Marcus Stoinis and Cam Green might come into consideration. And the Texas Rangers have claimed baseball's World Series after winning Game 5 of their clash with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It means they close out the best of seven-game series for one In the words of Will Ferrell, do not mess with Texas. The team has been waiting a while for a title. This is its first in 62 years. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to 10Play for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.